Welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Champoli, APPH News Director. Our guest in this episode is Javier Cisneros, Director of Utilities at Florida's Fort Pierce Utilities Authority. Javier, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Paul. It's uh, my pleasure to be here today to talk to you about FPA in the city of Fort Pierce. So, Javier, I wanted to get our conversation started by talking about your your long career at FPUA. You've held a number of different roles and responsibilities at the utility. Could you offer an overview of your career at the utility? Yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about my, about my career here at FPUA. Um, so I started at FPUA in January of 2000. Uh, I was hired by Bill Teese, uh, who had who was the supervising engineer of water wastewater engineering at the time. Uh, he would eventually become the director of utilities. I was fortunate enough to to work uh, closely with him. I was part of his think tank, which I believe allowed me to move into a progressively um, into more progressively responsible roles in my career. Uh, I really do believe he had uh, much more faith in me than I did at the time. So very fortunate to to work with him. So I uh, I worked in the water wastewater gas engineering group for 10 years on on what I consider to be fantastic projects. I did uh, GIS, I did hydraulic modeling, uh, superficial well replacement, some key storm hardening projects for our water plant, wastewater plant, before I made the shocking jump to the electric engineering group. Moving over was part of an overall succession plan. So I was, again, fortunate enough to work with another Bill, uh, Bill Baldwin, who hired me as the assistant supervising engineer to eventually replace him. Uh, he was a great mentor for, for me uh, specifically because I, I think that uh, he was able to uh, help me tremendously move out of the project manager role and into a management position. You know, I believe it's tough when you've uh, spent a, a decade or longer in the project manager role. As part of moving from the water wastewater group uh, engineering group uh, over to the electric group, the gas engineering came with me because it was a better fit uh, for the electric and gas uh, because they're both a, an energy-based uh, commodity, so they're closely tied together. So they ca- that came over uh, with me uh, because I did work closely with those guys uh, while I was in that division. Uh, I spent about eight years in the uh, electric and gas engineering group, and, and the majority of the work that I worked on uh, was closely related to my experience in the water wastewater group, roadway construction. I quickly were, was able to pick up uh, distribution line design, sizing transformers. I got involved in some NERC compliance. So you know, I, I trans, transitioned pretty well, um, very quickly. 2018, uh, I was encouraged and, and, and hired as the Director of Utility Support Services. And, and at the time, I realized that with my background, I, I had an opportunity to, to potentially go for the top role here at FPUA if it, if it became available. And uh, in 2022, I was named the Director of Utilities. And uh, I truly do believe that my unique and comprehensive experience uh, helped me get into the position. And, and I'm very fortunate to to be in the uh, in the position of the director of utilities and, and to be with you with you guys here today. So yeah, you touched upon um, some of the the departments at the utility. So kind of jumping off from that point, um, can you give a brief overview of the utility in terms of its different departments? Yes, sir. So FPA is unique uh, because we do provide electric, water, wastewater, natural gas, and fiber communication uh, to our community. It's not uncommon to see in my opinion, it, it really, it's not uncommon to see a municipal that provides multiple services, but it is less common to see utility that provides uh, all five services. We have approximately 29,000 electric customers, uh, 23,000 water, 17,000 wastewater, and about 4,000 gas customers. Our division for fiber has 
under 200. They're mostly commercial and industrial sector uh, customers, so they're very large uh, customers. But we spent the last two years uh, working on our on our fiber network so that we can go to the home, fiber to the home. And uh, I think that 2024 is going to be a great great year for us as uh, we push aggressively to bring fast, affordable internet to our community. And I would imagine, I mean, it seems pretty clear to me that the uniqueness of the utility in terms of its various departments helped you to kind of hit the ground running in terms of your your most recent position. Yeah, I would say that uh, uh, the director of utility uh, support services position was, uh, that was pretty, pretty uh, exciting because I got a chance to deal with IT, customer service, safety. The FPA net division is under that 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 group. Um, so I, I really, it was a great opportunity to be well-rounded, not just on the utility operational side, but on the administrative side, which was something that I uh, I think we take we, we take for granted because that's uh, the support services are just as critical as the utility services. Um, so uh, it's a you know it's a puzzle that you have to really um, look at carefully. So just kind of on to switch gears here and talk about some recent news involving FPUA. You know, as you know, the utility recently received funding from the U.S. Department of Energy to mitigate impacts of extreme weather and natural disasters through uh, increased grid resiliency. Could you offer additional details on this project for our listeners? Yes, sir. So FPUA, uh, I'd like to tell you a little bit about FPUA because I think it would help paint the picture here. So FPUA uh, is located uh, on the east coast of Florida. Um, right on the coast between Orlando, Miami, and just east of Lake Okeechobee. So if you think about where we're located, we are constantly in the cone of, of a of probability of, of a major storm just about every year. So, And I also, uh, this is my opinion, but I, I believe we're in the afternoon thunderstorm capital of the East Coast. So uh, we're constantly uh, looking at, um, at our system and evaluating our system. So the GRIP grant will help us improve our grid reliability in a number of different ways. The first one is uh, increasing the capacity of two critical transmission substation transformers. So during a typical afternoon uh, thunderstorm, we can experience outages throughout the entire service area due to vegetation and especially uh, due to lightning. So once power gets restored, load comes back on very fast as our customers are looking to uh, cool their homes. So these upgrades uh, will definitely help us reduce outages during peak times. Uh, we are also replacing four distribution substation transformers that are obsolete, getting very hard to find uh, parts for those uh, those units, which will also increase our capacity and reliability. One of the other projects that, that this uh, grant includes is the configuration of our substation uh, that comes off the grid. We are looking to uh, upgrade our primary substation loop to a ring bus configuration which will allow FPUA to provide continuous services to our the rest of our sub-transmission grid on an N-1 contingency. Pretty important for us here in Florida. The last thing that we're um, that's included in this grant is we're installing 400 trip, cyber de- trip saver de- devices that will enable us to be more resilient to vegetation, wildlife, and other momentary interruptions. Uh, so the goal of all of these projects is to increase our grid reliability, you know, just to as we face more severe storms and reduce outages caused by, you know, trees, squirrels, and these invasive iguanas that we have to deal with here in South Florida. Hmm. So, uh, you know, all of these improvements uh, are being accomplished with this grant, uh, which ultimately benefits our customers because it does help reduce uh, and hopefully eliminate the need for rate increases. Something that most people aren't familiar with is that Fort Pierce, our community specifically, 
has about 27% of the population that live at or below the poverty level when you compare that to the statewide number of 13%. So these federal grants will definitely be put to just great use in our community. Now, you mentioned customers. Was curious as to you know how you guys are going to uh, get the word out on on this this project because uh, you know I'd imagine this is obviously as you as you described it's a, it's a big deal for the community. So anything you can elaborate on in terms of kind of you know letting your customers know that this is how big of a deal this is uh, first and then uh, you know um, maybe kind of like the timeline involved that type of thing. We are very active on social media. The last year we revamped our public affairs group and. Uh, so we have a team dedicated uh, to uh, improving our uh, communication to the community. Uh, and also they were part of the responsibilities to pursue grants. So it's a perfect combination of, uh, of the team pursuing the grants and then um, talking about it in a positive light. So we do a lot of community events. Uh, we go to coffee with the mayor. We're involved in local not-for-profit uh, organizations here locally as well. So we're going to be pushing it out on social media. We're also, we also had a meeting with who issued the the grip grant uh, about what uh, how we're going to be communicating that out to uh, to uh, our community? So we're still working on those details, but yeah, we're we're going to be uh, talking about it uh, as much as we can within our community to our commission, to our board, to our utility advisory committee, and uh, social media, and uh, communicate with our mailers. We we send out we still send out quite a bit of uh, uh, hard copy bills, and we we do bill inserts. So we'll, we'll put it in the bill insert and. You know, try to reach as many people as we can to talk about it. That's helpful to know. So, so just wanted to also talk about another recent news development. FPUA recently hosted Florida State Representative uh, Dana Trabulsi, um to tour um, utility facilities. Um, so, uh, two questions related to that. One, what were the facilities that were visited as part of the tour? And other than the state representative, who else participated? And second, why do you think it's important for state lawmakers and other government officials uh, to see firsthand utilities operations? We had a great time uh, with Ms. Trabolsi. Um, I'll start with a little bit about uh, who else attended. Uh, last year, we had a tour of our existing wastewater plant, which is located on the Inyo River Lagoon, which is a, literally a stone's throw away from the inlet to the Atlantic Ocean. So you can literally get to the ocean within 15 minutes uh, from, from our existing plant um, from a, on a boat. So we've been talking about relocating this plant for the last 20 years because, again, it is on the, uh, on the lagoon. And last year, we were finally able to make it happen through a bond issuance for about 70% of the funding. And uh, we gave a tour to uh, Trabolsi, to Aaron Grawl. We've also uh, given a tour to um, Senator Harrell, the, the local state representatives, and uh, Brian Mast. Not, not at the same time, just at different times, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. essentially getting, getting them to, to know what that plant looks like, where it's located, and the new location is being relocated far away from from the lagoon. It'll be in an, in, a, in, a, in an industrial area, so it'll also be away from residential homes. So as part of that, we did receive a $15 million state grant and, and her support, support of Grawl, uh, Mass, all of those uh, folks that I mentioned uh, were, were just tremendous uh, in helping us get that grant. And we are very grateful. So that's what we did last year. This year, what we did is we promised her we'd give her a tour of other facilities of, uh, of FPUA. So we gave her a tour of the administrative building uh, of our water plant, of our med, elect, uh, emergency electric dispatch, and our Treasure Coast Energy Center, which is a power plant here on the East Coast, which is owned by F- FMPA, but op- operated by FPUA employees. 
So she really enjoyed learning more about our operation and overall contribution to the community. On your second question uh, about why it's important to, um, uh, to engage with state lawmakers and other officials, I sit on the, both the boards for the Florida Municipal Power Agency, FMPA, and the Florida Municipal Electric Association, FMEA. So I'm able to stay connected with the issues that are moving fast, that are pending, uh, that our state lawmakers and officials have to vote on during session. So our goal is to stay is to is to engage and stay engaged with our local officials at the local, state, federal level. Uh, there's always something happening at uh, Tallahassee or D.C. that may affect us and negatively impact our customers without really the intended result of what whatever they were voting on. So our goal is to stay connected with them so that they learn about us from us and and how their vote could affect their local hometown utility. Javier, I wanted to switch gears here uh, and and talk about renewable energy, which actually, you know, part of my question relates to FMPA. Um, so Fort Pierce Utilities Authority this summer announced its participation in a major expansion of the Florida Municipal Solar Project, which is one of the largest municipal-backed solar projects in the country. FPUA has joined with FMPA, 19 other Florida public power utilities, and Origins Energy on the project. So two questions related to this, if I could. First, what are the benefits that FPUA and its customers are going to derive from participation in this project? And second, what role do you see renewable energy playing in the utility's overall resource mix going forward? We, FPUA is participating in this large-scale project because it allows us to provide uh, solar energy to our customers in, a, in, the, in the most cost-effective way. The cost of this solar uh, project is approximately about a third of, of a cost of a typical private rooftop solar system, so very, very cost-effective. These solar projects represent one of our many environmental and infrastructure projects, and uh, we're able to take advantage of the great opportunity to increase the volume of our low-cost, reliable generation at a time where solar costs continue uh, to rise and, and escalate. So this project will expand the solar footprint, uh, where you know just less than five years ago, we really didn't have solar in, in our portfolio. So uh, this project brings clean, cost-effective solar energy to our community. So we're excited about that. To your second question about uh, what role do I see renewable energy playing in the, in the mix as we move forward? So I really am, you know, I'm an engineer, so I, I like innovation and I really do believe innovation is critical for long-term success in our industry. Uh, I believe renewable energy will continue to be an important part of the overall mix as we go into the future. So being in the utility industry for the last two, two decades, uh, I believe that large-scale renewable management is going to be as critical um, so that we're able to, to mix that together with the existing generating resources that we already have online so that they manage it properly to avoid catastrophic events, kind of like they had in, in Texas a few years ago. So I believe that we will continue to make great progress in renewable energy options, but today it's really difficult. It's really hard for us to depend on intermittent solar. Um, it's a, it really is important for us to be diverse. So, you know, we need to continue to, uh, to invest in, 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 in renewable energy and be innovative there. But it's also important to recognize that our most dependable resource is, is, is critical to providing, you know, clean, reliable, affordable power, which in the state of Florida, 75% of our power comes from natural gas power plants. So uh, I am excited about renewables into the future and uh, just we as a as an industry have to focus on being 
uh, financially responsible and, and operationally responsible to make sure that they're able to continue to provide power. Because in, 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 in the U.S., you know, we have power 99.99% of the time. So anything less than that is, is unacceptable. So we just have to find a very good balance to, to make sure that that overall mix is, is uh, something that we can really rely on. Well, Javier, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. You know, I, I as is customary, I, I want to give you the opportunity to 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 come back and and join us again on the podcast at some point in the future. I think at a minimum, I you know maybe want to revisit with you um, progress that's that's taking place with respect to those DOE funded projects. And obviously, there's a lot of host of of other topics that we can talk about. So, love to have you back on the show, uh, podcast at some point. Uh, I'd love to be back at any time, and I really do appreciate uh, the invitation, and uh, I look forward to you know talking to you again. Sure thing. Thanks. Thanks again, Javier. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now, which was produced by Julio Guerrero, graphic and digital designer at APPA. I'm Paul Champollion. We'll be back next week with more from the world of public power. <laughs>